Welcome to Rethinking Youth Ministry, where each week we hope to raise the bar for youth ministry by asking questions, interviewing thinkers, and having real, honest conversations about what it looks like to lead the next generation. I'm Sarah, and sitting around the table today, we have Brett. Hey! Crystal. Hey there. And Chef. Hey, everybody. So today's episode is going to look a little different than ones we've done in the past. In the wake of the shooting in Parkland, Florida on February 14th, students have started a national movement pushing for stricter gun control and more government intervention when it comes to school violence. And as a result, on March 24th in Washington, D.C. and other cities around the country, there's going to be a March for Our Lives advocating for better gun control. And then on April 20th, the anniversary of the Columbine shooting, there's a planned national walkout for high school students. So questions we've noticed come up a lot in conversations with other youth pastors and leaders is how we as youth workers should address these events. If we are working with students directly, what is our role as our students are processing yet another shooting, but also as they're contemplating their own role in this movement, whether that's participating in a student walkout or something else, what is our responsibility? How do we walk through this with our students? So that's why I'm so glad we have the people we do with us today. Chef is a former youth pastor and former principal. Crystal is a former teacher and Brett is normally a host, but he's also a former youth pastor. So that's why I'm so glad we have them here around the table to speak into this. And the thing we wanted to be sure to say up top was we do not want to make this a political podcast. That's not our goal. We want to try to talk through the complications the current culture presents and then talk through some potential best practices for walking alongside students who are trying to figure out their role in everything that's happening around them. So that's the question we want to ask. How do we lead students in light of the Parkland shooting and upcoming student walkouts? And Crystal, you were the first person that came to my mind when we were doing this because mm-hmm. you are, have a current small group. And so you were meeting with your girls right after Parkland happened. And mm-hmm. what are they saying? What are the things that have been on their minds as this has kind of started to unfold? Well, I think what surprised me and what probably surprised a number of ministry leaders around the country is just how deeply they were affected by something far away. Mm-hmm. And now and I feel like I need to say, if you are in the Parkland area, we realized that it was not far away for you. Mm-hmm. And we are so sorry and so heartbroken mm-hmm. with you. Um, I know that leading students in a situation like that is unimaginable. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, it feels unimaginable states away mm-hmm. and hundreds or thousands of miles away, students are responding with a level of brokenness that I just I just don't think I expected it mm-hmm. um, for a lot of reasons. I think for those of us that are older, this doesn't feel like our first school shooting. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I was in the 11th grade when Columbine happened. Right. Mm-hmm. And then there have been a number for a, for a time, it seems like every year that was happening. But but I realized for my 15-year-olds, this is the first one they've experienced that they knew what it meant for them if right. it happened. Mm. That they really weren't shielded from right. from the images. Sandy Hook, they were. They, they were, were little children. bitties, yeah. So yeah. they were probably protected from it. So this is the first... I read a, an op-ed article that said for Gen Z, the Parkland shooting was really a defining moment for their generation because mm. of that. This is their mm-hmm. first kind of major trauma in that way. Mm-hmm. And so they're processing it in a way that feels more raw for um, sure, because it, it is new to them and not to an older generation. Well, we had this moment the week after Parkland mm-hmm. at church where I'm sitting with my small group kids in a room and in a room down the hall, there was a group of uh, high school seniors meeting and they were playing a game and they started screaming, which the normal response of my girls would be to (laughs) run to the door and say, what's happening? And I want to be a part of it. And so I, being one of them, ran to the door to see what was happening. But then I look at my girls and they 
had a different expression than I expected. Mm -hmm. And it was one of terror. Yeah. And we started talking about it as we realized that it was just, you know, the kids down the hall making a racket. And one of them said, I started thinking about where the exits were. Oh, wow. And another one said, I thought about whether we could break the window. Yeah. And all of them had Jeez. begun to process, if, if this is happening here at my church, what do I what do? do? And they're all living with that at school. I've, I know I was sharing with you guys even before we started the podcast. I've been at three high schools in the past mm-hmm. two weeks, all of which have had copycat threats. Mm-hmm. Wow. And all of which the students are trying to process what, what happens now. Yeah. Like what right. happens if this happens here? And that is traumatic. Yeah. And even... Honestly, if I'm being honest, even within myself, I have begun to process the fact that when I was a teacher, we had drills for stuff like this. Right. And there were moments where we practiced what it would be like if there was a school shooter and it seemed normal. And looking back, it was traumatic. Yeah. As the adult in the room, I had to think through what do I do if I'm getting shot at? Right. Do I do I or do I not choose to stand between kids and bullets? How do yeah. we get out a window? Those are those are really heinous things yeah. to have to and think about. And we use about. that word traumatic loosely, but in this case, it was, that is an actual trauma. trauma. Yeah. yeah. Like I probably should have been in counseling. Right, yeah. Um, and I was the adult. And right. I think, man, what if you're a middle schooler yeah. or a high schooler and you're going through those drills four times a year and then you mm. see it happen. And I, I also think this may be one of the first school shootings where the images got out on social media before they got out on news channels oh, and they weren't as edited Yeah, mm. and they were a lot more raw. And uh, I think that, I just think all of it, it has had a, a profound effect on the students in our ministry, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Chef and Brett, what would, well, and Crystal as well. Um, you know, one of the things I was thinking, if we could have all the student pastors that we partner with around the table with mm-hmm. us, what would be what would be the advice that you would give to them as they're trying to walk alongside their students and whether they're expressing an interest to want to walk out or just confusion or like crystals out of trauma? Like what are, what are some of the things that you would encourage student pastors with? Yeah, I would say one of the key pieces um, that I know that we've that we've talked about a lot in this circle is that so often. Um, our role is not supposed to be answer giver, but mm-hmm. but question asker. And yeah. so when when they're asking these questions, when they're processing, even if they they come to us with with questions and, and looking for our advice, yeah. I think it's a I think it's a healthier process for us as leaders to ask them questions and to and to lead them in the in the processing discernment right. act rather than and. All of us probably have our own thoughts and we have our, our, right. our own opinions and there are places and times for us to be able to share those. But when a, a 15-year-old or an 18-year-old comes to, comes to us looking for advice on this, mm-hmm. um, it's not, that's not the beneficial time for mm-hmm. us to go into our spiel of what they should do based on our views or our thoughts on different pieces. Right. We talk about that a lot of times in faith is that a key goal for us and our teenagers before they graduate high school, it's it's not for them to have certain answers or check right. certain things off the box. It's to it's for them to have the, the the tools and the skills to be able to think critically, to be able to 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 process, to be able to you know empathize. Right. So it's not it's not just about the 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 conclusion that we want them to come right. to, but this is an opportunity for us to be able to to help lead them in what it looks like to to process wisdom, yeah. wise choices. You know what's what's a healthy decision. What are my motivations for these decisions? Right. Well, I think what you said is that's a good point, and it's tricky because this is a very 
political issue. I mean, it tied into all of it as gun yeah. control and all of that. So it's really easy to think of this as a right and wrong. Like there's mm -hmm. a right way to handle this. And I think what you're saying, when you're asking different questions, you're asking more what's the wise thing to do in this yeah. situation. And that it may look different from student to student and that you're not necessarily needing to communicate your position on right. something as much mm -hmm. as you're trying to right. guide them. Well, I think it's also important to remember from you know the phase standpoint, yeah. their mind does not work like ours does. Mm. Nope. You know? And so... The whole concept of imagining a future or imagining what this would mean, and we've got to help them do that, exactly what you were saying, Brett. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've got to ask very good questions, and we also need to be clear on what they're asking, because they may ask, should I walk out? They may ask, what do I think about gun control? They may be asking, why would God let this happen? Yeah. They may be asking mm -hmm. deeper theological issues, which is where they should be developmentally. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. But they and might not word it like that. Right. No, that's exactly right. And so, you know, just like um, you have to be careful when a kid asks you, you know, questions about, I don't know, dating or sex or whatever, and you assume they're asking one thing, just make sure that you clarify really what they're asking and the best way, to your point, Brett, is to ask really good questions and remember this is not my friend who's my age I'm talking yeah. to mm -hmm. right these are this is one the first time many of them are processing this mm -hmm. why would God let this happen or why did God make this happen mm -hmm. yeah. those are very different questions yep. mm -hmm. um, and you never know where they're coming from and um, I just think it's really really an important thing and the whole walkout thing is they want to be heard mm. yeah. so let's Ask them, you know, like, so, so if you are heard, what is it that we should do? I mean, like, and to your point, Sarah, I think the culture's made this really difficult to get kids to talk about it in, mm -hmm. in as complex a way, or even start asking com complex questions yeah. because mm -hmm. it becomes so binary. It's, are you for, or are you against gun control? Very quickly. Very quickly. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a shame, although I understand that that's the world we live in because it is about gun control. It's mm -hmm. also about mental health. It's also mm -hmm. about school security. It's also about, right. I mean, how many systems, you know, somewhat failed. It's, a, it's about a broken world. Right. It's a deep mm -hmm. theological issue that in a world that we live in, if someone decides to do something like this and go to great lengths to pull it off, there, there are very little things we can do to, right. to mm -hmm. stop it. If it wasn't the school, it would have been a basketball. You know what I mean? Right. It's, just, it's just a really hard topic for kids to process, but they need to process it. Yeah. I read a statistic that says that Gen Z is one of the most cause-driven generations mm -hmm. that, that we've ever had. And so I think that there's also this tendency, you know, for, for them to see the needs and then to be so personally affected mm -hmm. by some of these things. And then they have this desire to, to, to do something about yeah. it, to, mm -hmm. to help and, and, as Chef said, where they are developmentally, they're trying to figure out what that what that is, what right. that looks like. They're trying to look at examples for, from history. They're trying to to have conversations and figure out, okay, what does it look like for us to help make a difference in this? Mm -hmm. And so, how do we as adults see that and affirm that right. and say, I love the fact that you're trying to lift your voice, that you're trying to make a difference, you're trying to make it better for the generations yeah. that are coming behind you. Mm -hmm. And so, how do we help them? process in a healthy way 
that drive some right. of them have that we got to make change, we got to make change, we got to make change into discerning, okay, what are the wise choices? Right. What are the right things to say right. in order to bring about change? What aren't the right things to say? How do we, how do we, how do we go about doing yeah. that? And again, that's not a chance for us to try to steer them to where yeah. we want them to go, but to try to give them the tools on how to ask these kind of questions to come to these kind of conclusions. I, I think that's a great point because one of the things that we talk about a lot when our curriculum here at Orange is we, we want to make so many things experience-based and we want kids to be able to experience the things that we're teaching them. And this is an opportunity where kids have an op opportunity to do something with the emotion yeah. that they're feeling. And I think in a lot of ways, we need to celebrate that, even if mm -hmm. it's manifesting itself in a way that we wouldn't, we might not agree with whatever that looks like. The fact that they are internally moved and have a motive that's really a good thing. We, we should celebrate that and lean into that and say, you know, you're heading in the right direction. Now imagine we channel this in all these other different areas mm. as well. You know, this is something that I've been trying to, trying to work through and trying to figure out in my own small group, because I, I think when we look at youth pastors and we've looked in the youth pastor Facebook group, we have seen that we are all on different parts of the political spectrum. Mm -hmm. When it comes to this issue, I have seen people saying, walk out with them. And I've seen people saying, absolutely not. And, and it's everything in the middle, but that's also true for their parents. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sitting around a group with a bunch of girls from different high schools and different demographics. And no matter what I say, one direction or another, I would be disagreeing with somebody's mom. That's a great point. And so yeah. I love what you said, Brett, about mm. not leading them in a specific, like towards a specific conclusion or towards a specific set of steps, because ultimately I do want their parents to be the ones leading them yeah. towards specific steps. But, but I do, but I also think we have a responsibility to help them figure out what is biblical. I'm still trying to figure it out. Yeah. But as a student leader, you have the opportunity to speak more into it in some ways than a parent mm -hmm. and push back in some ways, I think that a parent... Um, pushing back might not be received as well by the mm -hmm. student, but as a student leader, student pastor, youth pastor. Yeah. And I want to go back to something Chef said just because I thought it was was so good, and that was make sure that we're understanding the right question, right? The question that they're actually asking, because what I noticed with some of some of the students, both in my own small group and at some of the high schools that I visited, is they were asking one question and they meant something else. And what it came down to is this is the first time they've ever dealt with their own mortality. Hmm. Yeah. For yeah. a kid who hasn't had a grandparent pass, this is the very first look into one day I might die. And they're, they're struggling with that. And so the question they're asking is, I want to do something to not feel this anymore. Mm -hmm. If I do this, will I not feel that? Yeah. Right? If I right. march, will I not feel this? Mm -hmm. If I agree with the other side, whatever the other side is, will I not feel this anymore? And and so it's been an, an experience saying, wait, are you, are you really asking me what to do? Or yeah. are you well, really asking me how do I not feel and this? And I think that also goes back to how, why it's so easy for it to turn into one side or the other. Mm -hmm. Because when you tell someone, yes, do this or don't do this, it feels safer because you're, you're just told what to do. But when you mm -hmm. introduce the nuances to it, it doesn't feel as safe. Now mm -hmm. there doesn't feel to be a right or a wrong. And that's very scary, I think, mm -hmm. for a lot of people, and especially for a teenager who's kind of coming to those conclusions. So have you had girls ask you specifically, should I march or not? Are they talking about it yet? Uh, some are, some aren't. It, and there's there are different sides of that too. There's, mm -hmm. should I march because I really care? Or right. is it okay if I walk out of school? Because that's fun. Yeah, right. Like there is, I mean, there yeah. are those students yeah. that are like, oh, skipping class is fun and doing things as a group 
right. is exhilarating. And so it's helping right. them walk through what does it look like to honor authority when you disagree with authority? You know, are you doing this because you want to see a change? Are you doing this because you want to change your fifth period? <laughs> right. Well, I, you know, I'm thinking about it as a high school principal in the years I did that. And I'm trying to imagine sitting in that seat now with this thing looming. Yeah. I think the least of my concerns is like a peaceful protest. Like, right. In right. fact, in fact <laughs> right. I'm kind of like, well, that that's kind of cool. The, yeah. My biggest mm-hmm. concern is mob mentality is right. a powerful thing. Yep. And emotions run high. And those are the moments when people realize this kid's just skipping class. They're not taking mm-hmm. seriously. This kid's yeah. really scared. And then for me, and you know, this is me being a middle school director for years, you know, I just kind of imagine what could possibly happen. And I, I personally hate the idea of kids leaving school all at the same time across the country from a safety standpoint. Mm-hmm. So, Interesting, yeah. um, you know, those are my biggest issues, but politically I'm kind of like, you know, peaceful protest is a really interesting yeah. way for kids to process this and... And then there's a lot more processing coming afterwards, Crystal, I think mm-hmm. to your point, like that didn't make me feel better. Yep. Nothing yeah, probably is going to change. Like, you know, they're not going to call Congress together and pass gun control, you know, and, yeah. and, mm-hmm. but I mean, they may mm-hmm. over time, but it's not going to happen, you know, the next day. And as a student, you know, you're, you're processing these things mm-hmm. and you're realizing, can anything really change all of that? Again, huge, deep questions that we need to talk to them about. And I think one of the biggest mistakes that we tend to make in the church with these big, deep, complex questions is that we give them simple biblical answers Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that don't make sense to them, but we say to them in a way where it should be clear and obvious to them. Makes us feel better. Exactly. (laughs) And so we we have to be clear with our students. So we have to make sure that we're not using the Bible with our students in a way that creates more confusion on what the Bible is supposed to be right. and what the Bible is That's supposed to be in my point. life and the way the Bible is supposed to lead me or the ways mm-hmm. that the Bible does give some answers, but yeah. but doesn't give some answers. Yeah. And the way that sometimes the Bible can be confusing and gray with certain things like this, because if a student comes up to you and they say, hey, you know, I don't really know what to do here. I'm, I'm, I'm really passionate. I, I want to make a change for this. I want mm-hmm. this to be different for my younger brother, my younger sister's mm-hmm. generation. I really feel like blah, blah, blah. And then if you just say, hey, listen, man, the Bible says you got to respect authority. Your teachers don't want you doing this. It, you're, right. you're not, yeah. it, mm-hmm. it, you know, essentially it's, right. it's wrong. It's a sin. If, if you do this, we but have the compl- apostles also bucked authority. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, you got to be. Yeah. You and know. so if we, and so if and we, I think the authorities in Jesus' time might have had some questions about think? the yeah. things that he did. Exactly. Right. So if we try to make something so black and white, right. and so no, this is what it is, and you're wrong yeah. if you do that, that's going to color the way that they that they view the Bible and right. church. What? How, Absolutely. How safe of a place is church to go to with these kinds of questions? And, and please don't try to make sense of this. Right. With the Bible. Mm-hmm. This is a senseless, awful, yeah. broken world thing mm-hmm. that has happened. And I, I think it's just an immature... I mean, to, to teach a kid to try to make sense of tragedy like this is just going to lead to an immature faith that isn't 
it's going to be hard to survive your college years with college professors saying. Yeah. So explain that a little bit more. So it, it doesn't make sense right. to try to explain tragedy. Like, what do you what do you mean by that specifically? Yeah, I think, you know, I hear it all the time at funerals. I hear it all the time, you know, and it, I just always feel for the people who, who are feeling it most deeply when someone tries to say, you know, this is going to make sense. Or, yeah. And often people come to Christ at funerals, mm-hmm. you know, because of the, and people try to, you know, they try to start doing math and all that sort of stuff. We have no idea. I think that it will make sense from eternity's perspective. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Jesus is clear in this life. We will have trouble. Mm-hmm. This is, this is trouble in our hearts. This is doubt. This is sin issue. This is like, these are people who hurt us even when it's not our fault. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is cancer. This is birth defects. This is mentally ill people who get a gun yeah. mm-hmm. and walk into innocent, you know, and, and pull a fire alarm. Yeah. And to try to make sense of that is so far above your pay grade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You know, and so far above your perspective being, you know, I just, I, you've just got to be careful. And maybe, maybe I'm crazy here, well, but I have studied the Bible a lot. <laughs> I mean, a lot. And <laughs> I have not been able to make sense of cancer. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, so it's, it's, it's just. But not being able to make sense of something doesn't yeah. mean that we don't talk about it. Oh, it yeah. doesn't no, 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 mean no. that we don't leave them in Why did God make yeah. this happen and why did God let this happen are two, two very different questions. questions. Yeah. yeah. Well, one, think- one has an equation and the other does not. And yeah. I think there's two sides to what you're saying, too. Like, it's not using the Bible to give simple answers. Like I remember, I remember after Columbine, it felt like every adult in the world was saying, well, the answer is just video games. If we just got, got rid of video yes. games, this would have yeah. never happened. Mm-hmm. And as video a kid, games. I thought, really? Like, that's all that's you it. got? Right. That's yeah. it. Um, and I don't want to do that with the Bible and want, be like, well, the answer is just this. Right. But at the same time, I think as the church, we are so uniquely positioned when they go and take every action they can think of and say, I still don't feel better. Mm-hmm. We we are so uniquely positioned to say that's because peace comes from one place, mm-hmm. and there is you can have peace in your heart when everything else is going on around you, and it won't happen today, and it won't happen quickly. But over time, you'll learn to trust the person you're like. I think I think there's value in use leading them spiritually without giving them pat answers. Yeah, does that make sense? I, I did like what you, Chef, what you were saying, and Crystal, you were saying this as well. That idea of in some ways they're going to be needing our leadership even more on the back end Boy, of, these, of the walkouts or the marches or whatever, because right. it hasn't, it hasn't fixed, but they expected it to fix uh, emotionally or legislatively as quickly as they wanted it to. So there's mm-hmm. going to be a lot for them to have to process after the fact. Well, getting back to the question, should I walk out? I do think we should ask them for sure what their parents think. For sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, from an authority perspective, you can go both ways on, mm-hmm. you know, is this a, a peaceful protest? All those sorts of things. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, their parental authority, I think, is one you can lean into for sure and ask them. Because some will say great, some will say not, some will give them permission and say, yep, you might get suspended and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And some will say there is no way you're going to walk out and, you know, mess up your college application or, yeah. or whatever. And I think that that's one of the questions that as youth leaders we need to have in our pockets and a lot of conversations. Have you, have you talked to your parents about yeah. this? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When, when they come to us, a lot of times the answer is probably going to be no. Right. And, and 
you know, that is what it is. And we can continue the conversation and, you know, encourage them that that is going to be a, a really healthy next step. But whether it's this or anything else, like, okay, have, have you had this conversation with right. your parents yet? What, what do they say? Mm-hmm. You know, when I first started either teaching or as a youth pastor, I felt like I needed to have answers for these questions. Mm-hmm. And the more time I've spent doing this, the more, the less I feel that way. Yeah. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if some of you are out mm-hmm. there thinking I need to have a yes or no answer to yeah. this. And mm-hmm. I, I just don't think you do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that may be freeing to tell your students, right. I don't know. Now, your parents might disagree with yeah. me and feel like, <laughs> you know, and that they want you to have an answer. Um, or, you know, I, but when you lean back into the parents, I think that gives you, you know, yeah. an out. I think not having a yes or no answer is also setting us up as youth workers to be a really good example. Because I think what culture would have us believe and what what culture would have our students believe is that there are two sides to every issue and you must be fully on one and fully mm-hmm. hate the other. Yeah. And I just see everywhere in our culture it's right now. Us, yeah. it? It's killing oh, us. Yeah. And I think the church has got to be better than that. Yeah. We've got to begin to teach empathy. You can't love your neighbor until you have some empathy for your neighbor. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when we stand up and say, I don't know, here's what I hear on this side and I, I see that and I understand where they're coming from and here's what I see on the other side and I see that and I understand where they're coming from. It doesn't mean we don't have a stance on anything ever, right? right. but just demonstrating a willingness right. to see that the other side is not immoral, the other side is not crazy, yeah. may end up being one of the best things we do for the right. church. Well, and that's yeah. the empathy that we talk so often mm-hmm. about yeah. is that we have to be able to, to understand, even to a degree if we do have a stance that we have to be able to understand that, okay, this person who believes differently, they have a completely different background. They have right. a completely different upbringing. Right. That if mm-hmm. I were in their situation, I probably wouldn't have all of the same understandings right. and, mm-hmm. and beliefs that I do about certain things. And so that's why it's so vital that we help them develop those skills like empathy and compassion that we can that we can see, even if we disagree, how someone could come to those mm-hmm. conclusions. Right. Which doesn't mean your point is weak or it doesn't mean that you don't believe it. I mean, that, that, that sort of talk drives me crazy for sure. Because I mean, if we are to love our neighbor Mm -hmm. and we hate anybody that disagrees with us, there are no neighbors that we love. So, I mean, we are going to disagree on something and it's, you know, in those moments, your primary goal is not to make a point. Your primary goal is to maintain influence. Right. So it seems like when it comes to taking sides and um, everything feeling very binary, that's it's much easier to come across that way when you're speaking from a stage and that the easiest way to kind of develop that empathy for students and ourselves is by having these one-on-one conversations, these small group conversations. So what are some of the things that you guys would recommend saying to students if when you're having these kinds of conversations, the one-on-one in small group environments, encouraging parents to have with their kids, what would you suggest? Well, I think to Chef's point about figuring out what they're really asking, it's always helpful to say, hey, what led you to ask that question? I mm-hmm. want to do a good job of giving you a thoughtful answer because I think it's a serious question. Mm-hmm. What led you to that question? Because so often that will get you to, well, it's really about how I feel or it's really about wanting to feel like I can do something or it's really about this sounds like fun and I right. kind of yeah. want to walk out, but that will get you to the heart of the question. Yeah. I think that's a good point. Although it may take some digging for them to even know why they're asking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It could take a minute. I think I'd also listen to your students and maybe reach out to your parents and say, Hey, just so they all know that the conversations come. This yeah, is a great opportunity, a opportunity to talk to your kids about, 
I know there's two marches I've heard about and yeah. I'm sure others will pop up or there were three last week and now yeah. I don't know what, what's happened to all of them. So who knows what's going to happen in your, you know, world. But if you could reach out and use this as an opportunity to reach out to parents and give them a heads up and really help the conversation happen, I think that could be great. That's true because from a parent's perspective, this could be the first time they're parenting a child right. through these kinds of experiences. Yeah. So they're looking for just as much guidance. Right. Yeah, I think some of the questions that I would ask to help them process are things like, when it comes to whether or not you're going to march, what, what are you hoping to accomplish? Mm-hmm. So if you are, what, what are you hoping that leads to? If you're not going to march, what are you hoping that leads to? And, and like we said, that, I think that is such an important question of, have you, have you had this conversation with, with your parents? So the goal is really to have a well-thought-out answer, response, regardless of where you land. Yeah. You want the student to have thought it out. I think those are such good questions to ask because I know during the course of this podcast, we've talked a lot about where they are developmentally. What we mean by that is the part of their brain that does logical planning and what happens next, that that part of the brain is called the frontal cortex. It's either not fully, fully attached to the rest of their brain, or it's just starting to, to yeah. attach. And so they're, they're still learning yeah. those functions, but what mm-hmm. they're thinking with primarily is their amygdala, which is the fight or flight center. Mm-hmm. And so they may have a strong reaction and a strong um, impulse to move without really thinking through the logical steps of right. where I should be right. moving. Right. doesn't mean they can't. Yeah. It means they need help from the adults in their lives to help them think through logically what are my next steps. And um, as we learned just a few episodes ago with with the conversation with Marco Stryker, which was fantastic. Mm-hmm. For them, the, the response of empathy is a very new thing. The ability yeah. mm-hmm. to think from another person's perspective is new, and they need the adults in their lives to lead them down that road and help them exercise that muscle of what would someone on the other side think. Right. And so asking questions is one of the best ways to do that. I think it's great. And from a developmental perspective, a ninth grade boy and a 12th grade girl are... What, six years difference because, (laughs) you know, because boys are catching up to girls in high school. And then if you have a middle and high school ministry together, wow, Mm -hmm. you've just, you mean, you've got a range um, to talk to. You may want to, you may want to split them up to have conversations about it and you will be surprised Mm -hmm. of the different, you know, conversations you're going to have. That's good. And I think one of the greatest things that, that we can do and you know, this is across the board a lot of times in, in youth ministries. We just give them a safe place yep. to process, mm-hmm. to have to have these conversations. To uh, uh, for as a small group leader to sit down with your small group and say, guys, there's so much that's happening in right. in your worlds right now with with marches and with this and with that going on and fear at school and everything like that. What what are you guys thinking? Yeah. Where yeah. are you guys at? And again, that those you're not you're not you're not waiting for teaching moments in that. Yeah, you're not looking to jump in to, to throw scripture verses at them. You're releasing but you're, pressure. Yeah, right. you're yeah. giving them yeah. an opportunity to to verbalize what they're thinking. Because right. to be honest, they right. they they might not really even know until they That's have a chance true. as a group to sit around to have some conversations. To be honest, maybe to push to push back to say, okay, well. Yeah. What do you mean by that? I've been hearing that a lot. What do you right. What do you mean well, by that? And it that? can feel that the world around them is forcing them to take these kinds of sides. Yep. That church can be an emotionally neutral, yeah. and politically mm-hmm. neutral place for them to be like, I don't know where I fit, but I know it's safe right. to talk about it. And that may be you jumping in to, to ask a kid to wait 
before yeah. you, you know, let that go ahead and get this thought fully out. And then we're going to hear from you in a second, but really give them yeah. a safe place to just process know, out loud, process mm-hmm. out loud. And, you know, in the middle of that, they're going to feel that this isn't binary and right. they're going to feel, mm-hmm. you know, the complexity of the issue, which is all, all of it so important, um, which means they may leave with more questions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Than they have, but they will have processed some of and it. And they will know where to go with them right. next time. Again, right. back to church. And I know around here, one of the things we talk about all the time is small groups are for creating a safe place. But I think maybe that's even something we begin to say in our ministries mm-hmm. is that this is a this is a safe place for you to have conversations or just this is a safe place because with the with the students I've been meeting with, working with, talking to over the last few weeks, and there's been a lot more hours of meeting with and talking to yeah. students than normal, they're all asking the question, am I safe? Hmm. And whether it's coming out verbally or it's coming out in a load of other questions or it's coming out in tears and anger, it's always what, what it boils down to for a lot of them is, am I safe? As the church, if our answer can be yes, mm-hmm. you are safe here, I think that's incredible. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, this has been a super helpful and insightful conversation. And as we start to wrap up, is there anything else, any final thoughts that you y'all would like to leave with our listeners? We talk a lot about how context is so important in these circles mm-hmm. a lot, is that the way that you talk about some things to a group of seventh graders is different the way that you talk them to 12th graders. The mm-hmm. way that you have a conversation with folks that grew up in Seattle is different than the way that you have a conversation with folks that grew up in the Ozarks in, in mm-hmm. Missouri. And so I think that that's one of the pieces that as as leaders, many of whom are not ministering in our native environments Mm -hmm. that we have to be able to to filter the conversations that we have through people who have just completely different experience completely different backgrounds all of those different pieces so again it becomes it becomes less about us learning the best ways to transfer our truth even if we view that as biblical truth it's not about us transferring that from one person to another person, but it's helping them develop the skills, helping them to learn to empathize, mm-hmm. helping them to learn to ask the kind of questions that brings them to a, a place of, of, of understanding yeah. or of clarity or even an understanding of comfort in, yeah. in not knowing. That's great. I love that. that. Great. I would say if you're, if you're not having conversations about this, because I think it's tempting to not, especially if there hasn't been a recent threat at one of your local schools, your students are probably still more affected by it than you realize, and they're more affected by it Mm -hmm. than they realize. Mm -hmm. And it isn't until you begin to have some conversations with them that you really see the question behind the question behind the question, and and you can address some things in them that they didn't even know why they were feeling what they were feeling. The other thing I would say that I've just seen lately is this is a beautiful and brilliant time for the church to partner with the local school. Mm -hmm. Um, As we have seen threat after threat in our community, I've seen church leaders from around the community at different churches from different denominations partnering with with organizations like FCA or even sometimes partnering with the local school to be available for students who need to talk, who need just just a caring adult to look them in the Mm -hmm. eye and let them know they're safe in that moment. This is a great time to do that. That's great. I love that. I mean, I, I feel like I'm, I'm just hurting for youth pastors out there. Yeah. I mean, they, uh, you know, you're probably out there feeling like you need to have an answer. You may be 
under the expectation that you have an answer, yeah. whether it be from your parents or from leadership within the church. And, yep. you know, to somewhat echo Brett's, you know, opinion, I think it's awesome that you need to think about where your kids grew up and you need to think about that filter, especially if you're not from that area. That's not so that you agree with them. That's right. so you can get them to process. Yeah. That's so you can get them to think about things more deeply. That's so you can really dig in and get to the questions that are really, you know, it might simply be, should I walk out or not? My guess is there's a lot more to it, right. that they mm-hmm. don't feel safe. My guess is they're wondering what, you know, they're trying to reconcile, again, developmentally. This is where they, these are the yeah. questions they should be asking. These are the mm-hmm. questions we want them to answer before they head off into the adult world where they're going to run into this sort of stuff all the time right. in little and big ways. And we want to help them develop an adult faith, you know, not a childlike, I mean, childlike faith is great. Childish faith not is great. not. Mm-hmm. And the difference between a childish faith and an adult faith is that you have dealt with these bigger issues, the realities of life, and you've reconciled it or you've decided, I can't reconcile it. But in this life, you will have trouble is a promise Jesus gave. Yep. He also said that he came, you know, to heal the brokenhearted and set the captives free. And um, the answer's in there. And an adult faith understands that that's not a miracle in a moment, but that's a process that's, you know, part of their sanctification. But we should try to leverage all of these moments to help them really process and ask the tough questions and not, I love your point, Crystal, don't not talk about it. Like this is a big deal and we need to talk about it and we need to admit, yeah, this is, this is a, it's a terrible thing that's happened in this world and we need to reconcile it and figure out how our faith, you know, intersects with all of that. Yeah. Guys, that was really good. I love the three ideas that you guys landed on Brett, the learning, the context of your students and crystal, the partner with your local schools talking about it, even if they're not talking about, about it and chef just freeing student pastors from feeling like they've got to have answers to things that we don't have answers to. Right. joining us for the Rethinking Youth Ministry podcast. We really believe in the work y'all are doing and the conversations you're having and the circumstances you're walking through are hard. And we are just praying for you guys in the midst of all of it. And if you're trying to figure out how to talk about tragedy from a higher level with your students, our curriculum, XP3, has a series called Through the Darkness. And that's going to be included in our show notes. It's got resources for you as student pastors and also for parents. And it's available for free. And you'll be able to find that in this week's show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd love you to subscribe to the podcast through your podcast app. And while you're there, we would love for you to leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing and what we can do to make this podcast better. If you have a friend, if your small group leaders or a fellow youth pastor came to mind as you're listening to this episode, someone who needs to hear this conversation, you can send them to our website at rethinkingym.org. Until next time, thanks for listening.